When you hear the term the greatest, what comes to your mind? If you're a little older, it might be Muhammad Ali, who was a boxer. Muhammad Ali's greatest, uh, the thing he would say about himself is what? I am the greatest. And he was, he was a great, great boxer. If you've kept up with sports this last week, there was a, a very highly hyped fight between Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Conor McGregor. And there is Floyd Mayweather Jr. right there who won the fight last night. His record is 50 wins and zero losses. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? And I think it's, it's, it's safe to say he is probably the greatest boxer uh, of our generation. Well, this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 9 and Acts 15. I know that makes you a little dizzy, so just find Acts and settle there or follow us on the screens. And I'm going to make an argument to you this morning about who may be the greatest man in the New Testament after Jesus. It, a lot of us would probably instantly think, well, it's Paul or it's Peter. But I'm going to make a play for Barnabas this morning because of what he does and how he lives his life. You were here last week. We talked about being a Barney. We're going to talk about it again today. We're talking about how to have a great year and a great life. And I promise you that if you and I will do the things that are spelled out in the Bible, following Jesus, doing life his way, and doing the things this morning that we see about making a difference in the lives of others, it always boomerangs back on us, and it always is such a key to our life being what God would have it to be. Let's begin with this major thought, and it is a very important thought, about being a Barnabas. Believe in people and be willing to stand up for them. You want to have a great year? Follow Jesus and make a difference in the lives of other people, plain and simple. And it begins with, of course, loving them, praying for them, but, but it's believing in people and being willing to get involved in their life and in their junk and their mess and to make a difference. A quick review in Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, our character Barney, Barnabas is introduced. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Encouragement is to build people up. It's a motivator. It's someone who blesses and comforts and helps people. The opposite is a discourager. It's someone who pulls people down, who, who hurts people, and by their actions or behavior or words, brings them low. Barnabas built people up. It said he was from Cyprus, and he was a Levite. A Levite meant that he was a priest. Barnabas was a guy who, by his words and by his generosity, blessed people. So much so that they nicknamed him Mr. Encourager, Mr. Encouragement. But Barnabas not only encouraged people by his words and his generosity, what we're going to see this morning, Barnabas encouraged people by the way he did life with people and how he treated people. And I'm going to challenge you today that you and I need to believe in people. And we need to be willing to get involved in the lives of other people and stand up for them. A little disclaimer when you've tried to help somebody 22 times and they bit your finger 22 times, love them, pray for them, and run from them. Amen? Don't be dumb. I mean, some people don't want to be helped. If someone's unrepentant and defiant, Jesus at that point can't help them until they're ready to soften their heart. You love them, pray for them, but protect your own heart. But with that in mind, let's begin uh, with this, following this. We do this even when their past is bad. When someone has a bad past, 
Our job is not to critique their past, criticize their past, act in judgment on their past. We need to be willing to get involved with their life and take a stand with them and for them. Now, again, uh, young people or single people, this is not missionary dating. Missionary dating is you're a Christian and you think that girl's cute or that guy's cute and they're not a Christian, so you're going to date them and win them to Jesus. That is, I want to say a strong word, but I'll just say that's dumb. And it's very, it's sinful. It's unbiblical. Always remember, it's easy, much easier to be pulled down than it is to be pulled up. And you don't date somebody to get them to come to Jesus. You pray for them and love them to get them to come to Jesus. And then you date, for, date them after that. Very important. But with those disclaimers in mind, let me tell you, the, the, what the world needs is the world needs people. The world needs Christians. The world needs a church that's willing to stand up and get involved in the lives of people, even when their history is not very good. By the way, many of your histories here today is probably not real good. I can say that about myself, so we all understand this. Acts chapter 7, verse 58 through 8-1, it says, And they dragged him out of the city. This is Stephen. Anytime a sentence begins, they drag someone out of a city. It's not going to go well, is it? And they begin to stone him. That does not involve marijuana for any of you who are wondering. His accusers took off their coats and they laid them at the feet of a guy named Saul. That's Paul we know him as later. Keep that in mind. And they stoned him, beat him to death with stones. That was either, either they, they threw stones at you or they gathered around you with rocks and literally beat you until you died. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Wow. And with this, he died. In chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Saul, that's Paul, was one of the witnesses. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And a great wave of persecution broke out against the church. Folks, we think of Paul, we always think of him post-conversion, which is great. But here's Paul right now. Paul is a devout Jew. He hates Christians. He hates the church. And Stephen is being brutally murdered. And Paul's going, hey, that is awesome. Hit him right here. You missed this spot. There's not a bruise here. Good job, man. Thank you. You're killing this Christian. Wow. That's a great guy, isn't it? That's the guy you want in your prayer group, Right? In chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it doesn't get any better. It says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats. As little, he's breathing. I mean, he is, hates Christians with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, and he requested letters addressing to the synagogue in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, the way of Christ that he found there. He wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. That's a lovely picture, isn't it? Here's what Paul was saying, Saul, at this point. He thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians. He thought Christians were blaspheming the name of God. So he said he got permission from the high priest. He was going to go to Damascus, come into a place like this. He was going to find people who professed Jesus, and he was going to drag them out, chain them up, take them back to Jerusalem with the ultimate intent of either imprisoning them, getting them to, through torture to deny Christ or to kill them. That's a great guy, isn't it? How many of you are Christians this morning? Are you a little uncomfortable with that? No, not really. Yes, you are. But something happened in chapter 9 later on. 
On the way to Damascus, Saul has an encounter with Jesus. He gets to Damascus and he gets saved. Is that not incredible? He becomes a Christian. But the only problem is, is that the other Christian people don't believe him. And can you blame them? In, in chapter 9, verse 26, look what it says. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Do you blame them? And, and literally, here's the verb. He kept trying. He kept trying. He kept trying to join the church. He kept trying to meet with the people. He kept trying to come in, and they, they said, no, 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 no. Someone said the first person that was denied church membership was the Apostle Paul. He wanted to join the church. I thought about this this week. If a guy like Paul, that we knew he was like that, came to our church, and he came down during the invitation, and he took my hand. I'd probably send him to Merrick, tell him, go see that young man over there. And he said, I want to join the church. You know what I would say? Here's what I'd say. Man, we love you. Listen, Temple and Life Church are great places. I know I got their pastor's cell phone number. We'll call it. You can go join those churches right now. We'd be nervous, wouldn't we? He wanted to join, and they were like, he ain't joining here. He's not going to be a part of our group. And he kept on, and they kept saying, no, no, no. And in verse 27, something that may have changed the history of the world, Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told him how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he told them that Saul preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul stayed with the apostles, and he went all around with Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. Literally, the picture is everybody was rejecting him, and here's Barnabas, Mr. Encourager. Barnabas takes him by the hand, puts his arm around his shoulders, and he walks him into the group. And everybody loved Barnabas and trusted Barnabas. He walks him into your Bible study group. He walks with him down the aisle this morning. And he says this, this is wisdom. I've met with him. I've talked with him. I believe he's sincere. By the way, he's still putting his name on the line. He's putting his reputation on the line. He's sticking his neck out for this guy who's been a killer of Christians. But he's saying, you know what? This guy's past is horrible. But I'm willing to believe in him, give him a chance, and stand up for him. Is that not awesome? And let me tell you, in the group that was rejecting him were some of the most outstanding Christians ever. People that walk with Jesus. People like Peter and, and John and those guys. These, these people who walk with Jesus, who knew their Bibles, who loved God, yet they, for some reason, didn't have the discernment or didn't take the time to listen or were afraid and they wouldn't hear. It took a Barnabas to walk up and to believe in this guy with a horrible past and bring him into the church. You know, there are people in your life, and again, if someone's not repentant and not willing to To be open, you really can't do anything with that. It's very frustrating, but it's true. You love them and pray for them. You keep looking for that opportunity. But there's people that you know would come to church, would listen to you about Jesus, if they see it's real in your life, and you're willing to stick your neck out for them. Why? They got a bad reputation. That's what the church is for. That's what the church is for. Philip Yancey's a Christian author. And he tells a story, he was in some town speaking, and late one night he was at like a waffle house eating, and a lady came in and sat beside him, and he could tell that she was a prostitute. 
they began to talk, and he tried to minister to her and, and, and find out how he could pray for her and help her. And she, she said, you know, she's, been, she's a drug addict. She's an alcoholic. She'd been on the streets for years. Her home life was terrible. She said, as a prostitute, you are at the, you're the lowest person. There's nobody lower than you. Even the worst people can look down on you to feel better about themselves. And Philip Yancey said to her, there's churches all around here. Why don't you go to one of these churches and let them help you and love you? He said she, her face turned, not in a mean way, but in almost a, a broken way. And she said, why would I ever want to be around Christians or go to a church? All they've done is rejected me and hurt me my whole life. That might make you want to cry. You know what? I'm determined that'll never be our church. I'm determined that's not going to be me. And I want, to, I want to challenge you with all my heart. You determine it's not going to be you. Look, the world's got plenty of Pharisees. They don't need more Pharisees. We need people, men and women, who are willing to stick their neck out and their heart out and believe in and stand up for people regardless of what's happened in their life. You're going to make mistakes. I'll say this later again. Barnabas may have done this for 10,000 people, and we only hear the story of two because 9,000 of them may have really let him down. But if you're going to err, always err on the side of love versus the side of judgment. Be willing to stand up for people with a bad past. Here's the next thing. Be willing to stand up, do this for people who are messed up. People who have messed up. Now, it, it's easy to say, D- didn't Paul mess up? Paul did. But what I'm talking about here and what we're going to see in this story is that sometimes people aren't on the outside of, of the good circle, we might say. They're a part of the church. They're a part of your Bible study group. They really are a Christian. And then they do something that really is not good. They really mess up. I'm going to say this one more time. If, if they're not repentant, they don't want to listen or hear, you can't do anything with it. But sometimes they're just broken and they're waiting for somebody to reach out to them and help them. And Acts chapter 15 is the second part of this story. Starting in verse 36, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city. They've been on a missionary journey. We previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed, and he said, hey, let's take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work, their disagreement was so sharp, that's like a sharp blade of a knife just cutting through something. They separated, they they severed ties, at least for a while. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and he left with the other believers. It went uh, on a different journey. Folks, let me tell you, first of all, do you really want to get into an argument with the Apostle Paul? The guy probably had the equivalent of two PhDs. And Paul, listen, man, Paul was awesome, but Paul, in Christian love, could cut your head off pretty quick. You don't believe me when you get to heaven? Ask Peter. And it took a lot of guts for Barnabas to stand up to Paul. See, they'd been on a missionary journey. And in the middle of the trip, John Mark quits. He walks out on them. We don't have hardly any details, but it couldn't have been good. He may have left them shorthanded, left them in a spine, left them in a bad spot. 
But obviously Barnabas had talked to him and he knew John Mark's heart was to, to try to get things back right. And Paul said, nope, he is not going with us. And I want to tell you, when Paul stood up and said it's not going to happen, it's going to be tough. But Barnabas stood up to him. I heard someone say one time, and I think this is so true. A lot of us understand the judgment in the mind of Paul, but you've got to love the heart of Barnabas. I wonder this morning how many people in your world are wounded and messed up. You've tried to help them a thousand times and they bite your hand a thousand times. Don't let them bite you a thousand and one. Love them, pray for them, move on. Some people are just waiting for someone to reach out to them. I don't know how many people we got here right now in this room, 500 people. I'm going to say something that's not good, but it's true. In the next year in this room, somebody's going to do something dumb. Somebody's going to do something that's sinful. Somebody's going to do something that's going to not be good. And I don't mean this in an ugly way. I pray to God it's not me. I want to help you. (laughs) You going to be there for them? Going to help them? You're going to be willing to stand up for them and get involved in their life? Someone said Christians are the only people that shoot their wounded. May that not ever be said of you and me. May that not ever be said of our church. What some people need is they need somebody who's willing to risk their reputation, risk their effort and their strain, knowing you may get, it may backfire but that you're willing to stick your neck out to reach somebody, love somebody, and care for somebody. How many of you recognize the name Jim Baker? Jim Baker, who was a TV preacher. He was real prominent. He's back on the TV now. Again, he was prominent 20, 25 years ago. And, and I, I'm just going to say this honestly. He was kind of corrupt. Or he had gotten corrupt. They, he, Tammy Faye, you remember Tammy Faye? That's, uh, it was bizarre, bizarre. And, and, and they, I mean, they made tons and tons of money, tons. And that's not, but they're making tons of money, I, I think, off people's church money, not in the right way. So much so that he ended up going to prison. He had had an affair. They had an air-conditioned doghouse, which is awesome. So do the Craigs. It's just our house. I mean, you know, our, the doghouse is our house. I said this in the early service, and I didn't correct it, but I said, you know, my dogs sleep in our house. And I said, in fact, this morning when I left, there was a man in bed with my wife. It was a boxer. And I didn't clarify that. It was a canine boxer, a, 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 a male dog boxer. And some of the people, I you should have clarified that. We're thinking about it. And I, no, no, no. <laughs> there was a female canine boxer in the bed with her, too, so... We're four dogs getting air conditioning. That's awesome. But he blew it bad. He went to prison. And I think, truly, he got saved while he was in prison. Franklin Graham, if you know who Samaritan Percy is, that's Franklin Graham's ministry. Franklin Graham reached out to to Jim Baker. He would go see him in prison. And when he'd go see him in prison, the warden would say, why don't you come speak to the prisoners? But don't mention you know Jim Baker. 
Every time Franklin Graham would get up to speak, he'd go, it's great to be here, and I see my friend Jim Baker out here this morning. I don't know, he might not have should have defied the warden like that, but he reached out to him. And listen, the first Sunday that Jim Baker was out of prison, you know, or the first Easter he was out of prison, who he went to church with on Easter Sunday, Franklin Graham and the Graham family. That's reaching out, isn't it, for people who've messed up. You want to be a great person? Are you, willing to, are you willing to stand up and to believe in people regardless of their past, regardless of how they've messed up? And let me give you this other thought this morning. The stakes here are extremely high. The stakes here are extremely high. Paul becoming a Christian certainly was one of the most important events in the Christian history after, obviously, Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. Because no person after Jesus had more influence as far as how he spread the, the name of Jesus than Paul. But I want to ask you this morning, do we have a Paul without a Barnabas? Oh, somebody would have took him in. You don't know that. I don't know that. Quit speculating. All we know is nobody would take him in, and Barnabas did. Thirteen of the 27 New Testament books, God used Paul to write. Do we have those books without Barnabas? Do you have a Paul without a Barnabas? And I'm, by the way, I want to tell you, every great person you see on some stage, there's a hundred people under them lifting them up and blessing them that you don't know about. What about John Mark? The first gospel that we have that we believe was written was the gospel of Mark. Now, it's not the first in the New Testament in chronological order, but we believe it was the first one written. Who do you think wrote the gospel of Mark? God through Frank, Bill, maybe it could be. Thank you. Let's say that with enthusiasm. It was Mark. That wasn't very good, but you're you're getting the point. It was Mark. Do you have the gospel of Mark without Barnabas? And by the way, years later, Paul himself, Paul himself affirms what a great guy that John Mark is. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Articus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does who? Mark, Barnabas' cousin. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, right at the end of Paul's life, he says, Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark when you come. He is helpful to me and my ministry. Folks, you know who I believe redeemed and saved John Mark from the, the, the waste pile of Christianity? It wasn't Paul. It was Barnabas. Do you have a, a John Mark? Do you have a Paul without a Barnabas? I think you, that's a great point to argue. Who may be the greatest guy in the New Testament? It may be Barnabas. What about in your world? Who's sitting on the sidelines? Or, or who, who's away from God right now? Who used to be close to God? Who's open to someone? Coming to them and loving them and trying to reach out to them and help them. Why not you and why not me? 
I don't know if you know the name Gordon McDonald. Gordon McDonald was a pastor in, in Massachusetts for years. He's an author. Probably in the mid-80s, while he was pastor and he had an affair. He resigned his church and his life went, which goes with the territory. Nobody called. Nobody wanted anything to do like he was, had leprosy. He said one day he and his wife got home super depressed and the phone started ringing. Young people, this is back in the day when there was actually a telephone on the wall. There wasn't caller ID, and only rich people had an answering machine. And when that phone started ringing, if people didn't want to quit ringing, it rang and rang and rang and rang and rang. How many of you remember that? And you said, Cindy, get up and get the phone. It's driving me crazy. He said it rang about 40 times. Finally, they went up and answered the phone, and it was Billy Graham. You don't know much about Billy Graham. Google him today. Greatest Christian leader of the last 60 years. Billy Graham said, Gordon, I know what happened. I know you're terribly broken and repentant. Why don't you come work for me? You move from Massachusetts down here to North Carolina. I'll put you to work. You spend a couple of years getting things back together. But I want to put you to work. Gordon, I love you. Gordon said, I couldn't go. I I didn't go work for him. And he said, that phone call changed my life. It gave me hope. He went on to write a famous book. If you've never read this book, you should. Ordering Your Private World about, about how to keep your life from falling apart from the inside out. And Gordon McDonald says it probably would have never happened if there hadn't been someone who was willing, when he messed up terribly, to believe in him and stand up for him. How many of you know the name John Dillinger? You know that name? John Dillinger was the first person ever that the FBI really put on the, 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 the most wanted list. He was considered public enemy number one. He was gunned down outside of a, a movie theater in Chicago, obviously a long time ago. Here's the part of the story, his story, that you may not know. When he was a little boy, he came from a terrible family. They didn't go to church. They didn't care about him. But he had a neighborhood boy invited him to church. So he goes into this church in Chicago, and he's eight or nine years old. He's never been in church in his life. He doesn't know how to act. So he's misbehaving. Teacher gets him by the arm, walks to the door, opens the door that goes out to the street, and said, boy, hit the street, and don't you ever come back to this church again. As far as we know, he never went back to the church again. You see, we never know by our unwillingness to get involved, to stand up for people, to believe in them, our lack of willingness to do it. What's going to happen? The, the results are eternal sometimes. I read part of a, a, a book this week. It's called a historical novel. It's contradiction in terms. A novel's fake, but a historical novel means it's based in true events. That makes sense? It's a fake true story. Like a skinny, chubby person. That's what I consider myself. 
And in this novel, it was set in South Africa probably 30 or 40 years ago. South Africa at one time was the most racist place in the world. And there was a man, and again, I think this was based on true events, who was a headmaster, principal of a white school who saw how terrible the segregation was. And he wanted his school to participate in academic and athletic events with the black schools. It was against the law. He protested it and said, I want this to happen. They said, it's not going to happen. And so he resigned under protest and let the people know why he was resigning. And one of his friends came to him and said, okay, you believe in this cause and you're taking a stand, but you need to know you're going to be wounded for it. Here's his unbelievable answer. He said, someday we're going to all stand before God, and I think God's going to look at us, and he's going to ask us, show me your wounds. And if we look back at God and say, I don't have any wounds, I think God's going to look at us and say, you're going to tell me there was no cause or there was no person worth you getting wounded for. Wow. I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you this up front. When you decide to believe in people and stand up for them, you're going to get wounded. You'll get shot at from the good guys, and some of the bad guys will fail you and embarrass you. Stand up for them anyway. Believe in people. Be a Barnabas. We can't all be a Paul, but everybody in this room can be a Barnabas. I want to challenge you. Choose that route with your life. Let's pray.